I heard about this couple. They had uh, had their first baby. And um, the father had that dreadful task of changing his first dirty diaper. He dreaded it like the bubonic plague. But there he was. He took that diaper off. And he began to observe the situation. And it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad of a a dirty diaper. And he kind of had a sigh of relief and he chuckled. And uh, his uh, wife walked back by him at that particular time and uh, she says don't get too comfortable she said that's just a sneak preview of the coming attraction (laughs) well I want you to know I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis we have been walking through the book of Genesis and I have saved this particular chapter for today uh I don't know of another chapter in the Bible that gives us a description and a illustration of what took place thousands of years later on the cross of Calvary of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Genesis chapter 22, we're going to begin reading the verse 14 verses. So with your Bibles open, I invite you to stand in reverence of reading God's holy word. Now listen to these scriptures just for a moment as we read them aloud. And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and two, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father... And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, 
God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For I now know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and beheld him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Father, what a beautiful description of the Father and of the Son, offering up His Son as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Father, may You anoint us, fill us with Your Spirit, help us to understand the full meaning of this thing called of the resurrection and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. May Christ be honored here today. May he be glorified. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Here in the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis, we began to find one of the greatest illustrations of the love of the Father for his Son, and a substitute that was given on the behalf of you and I today. I'm so thankful and grateful to know that as I study the Scriptures, that as I look at this passage of Scripture, it teaches me so much about the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, this book is about Jesus Christ. From The book of Genesis from the very beginning to the very end of the book of Revelation. It talks and it teaches us and illustrates to us of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we have the opportunity to go and to look at this passage of Scripture. I'm reminded of what Jesus said about the Word of God. Where he said in John chapter 8 verse 56, he said... Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And when he saw it, he was glad. Abraham understood in his own special way of the way that there was going to come a day 
that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to come into this world and that he was going to fulfill all the prophecies of the prophets of old. How he's going to be born, where he was going to be born, where he was going to live, and the things that he did. But the most important thing, that he came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. So, what I'd like for to do for a few moments, I'd like for us to go and to take inventory of this passage of Scripture and to see the typology and the illustration of what we know of today of the cross of Calvary. The first thing I want you to notice as you go back and you look at verses 1 and 2 of the startling statement that the Lord made. The Bible says... Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I don't believe in the entire Bible does God ever make a stronger or a stranger demand upon one of his children than he did to Abraham this particular time. Oh, it was a powerful trial as you began to notice for a few moments. Abraham had waited over a hundred years for this special child. God had said, I am going to bless your seed and it was going to be through the seed of this child that God was going to honor his promise. And now, all of a sudden, God tells him, I want you to take your son, and I want you to sacrifice your son there upon an altar. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? There, Abraham, no doubt, his heart sunk. No doubt, he had many questions of thinking, what in the world is God wanting me to do, or why is he wanting me to do this when this is that special son, a son of prophecy? Well, oh, my friend, I want you to understand, thousands of years later, there was another son that was born. And there was a son of prophecy. And that son was prophesied to come and to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Here we began to see this trial that was taking place. The emphasis is that God had placed upon uh, Abraham sacrificing his son upon an altar. Now let me ask you a question. How could God ask a man to sacrifice his son? Let me ask you a question. Would you sacrifice your son? I have two sons. I love you and I would do anything I can for this church. But there's one thing that I will not do. And that is give you my son. To be sacrificed. But there is a greater question than that. Why in the world? How could God sacrifice his own son, his only begotten son, a son 
that for all eternity, they had enjoyed that relationship together. Why did he ask him to give up Isaac? Well, my friend, I want you to understand this was a purposeful test in Abraham's life. From the very beginning, God had tested Abraham throughout his journeys in life. As we have studied in the last few uh, weeks about this passage of Scripture, we've seen those multiple testings that God had given. But I want to remind you, if you have a King James Version, that word test, it says tempt. That God tempt Abraham. Well, friend, I am reminded of what James says, that let no one say that when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. My friend, there is a tremendous difference between temptation and testing. Temptation is a demonic device, means to defeat you. But a testing is a divine device, means to develop us. And so therefore, what God was doing was developing Abraham, just like he does in your life and my life, that many times there is experiences that we struggle with, that those experiences are a time that God is testing us and God is developing us. I go back and I look at the passage of scriptures in chapter 11 where God began to give Abraham a test of his family. He told Abraham, I want you to leave the uh, land of the earth, the Chaldeans, and I want you to leave your father and your mother and all of your relatives. It was a family test. Then in chapter 12, we find that Abraham experiences a famine test. And the Bible says he went out of the will of God and he went down into Egypt. Chapter 13, we're reminded that he was given a fellowship test where there was a conflict between Abraham and Lot. And Abraham, being the mature person, gave Lot the choice of which land that he could live and to grow his his uh, all of his uh, cattle and 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 all of the animals that he had, and then of course there was the fight test in chapter fourteen, where the Bible talks about that where Abraham went to look and seek Lot because that they had, the kings of Sodom had kidnapped him. But then you go and you begin to look at chapter 15 and first and 16. He gives him the fatherhood test. God told him, I'm going to give you a son and that son is going to be blessed and there's going to be a great seed that will come from there and that the, even the stars in the heavens will not be able to count of all the blessings that will come from that seed. Abraham failed that test miserably. There Abraham, with the scheming of his wife, 
There they, he had a child with his handmaiden, Hagar, and they had Ishmael. But then the test of all tests comes in chapter 22. God had reserved for Abraham the greatest test of all, the faith test. See, that's the way God works in our life. And the Bible says in verse 12, and he says, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The child of God need to remember that every trial and trouble that comes our way, my friend, is a way that God develops us and matures us and brings us to that place of maturity. I'm reminded of Elizabeth Elliot. She said, every experience of trial puts us to the test. Do you trust God or don't you? But, oh, I want to go and a step further in this passage of Scripture. Not only the startling statement that God made to Abraham, but look at the submissive statement, the submissive servant. Abraham is a picture of God the Father. Isaac is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is a father willing to sacrifice his son. The Bible tells us there in verse 3. Listen to what it says. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. The faith that Abraham had, the magnitude of that faith never ceases to amaze me. But here was a man that was portraying God the Father himself. No debate, no discussion, no defiance on Abraham, but Abraham immediately obeyed What God asked him to do. Remind me of Psalms 119 verse 60. Where it says, I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. Now how in the world could a man do that? Well, first of all, because he was confident in the promise of God. See, he already knew that God had promised him that his seed was going to be blessed. He did not understand why God would take that child. But he never contradicted what God wanted to do. See, God never contradicts his plans according to his promises. He was confident in the provision of God. He understood, as you go back and look at verses 7 and 8. Listen to what the Bible says. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look at the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide. 
Underline that. God will provide the lamb for a burnt offering. And so the two went together. My friend, I want you to understand, he realized that he was confident. He was confident in the promise of God. He was confident in the provision of God, that God was going to provide a lamb. But he was also confident in the plan of God. I don't know if you noticed this in the scripture or not, but I want you to go back and look at verse 5 just for a moment. The Bible says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship. And notice what he says, And we will come back to you. It was almost like Abraham was kind of cocky. It was almost like Abraham said, We will come back. Because he was confident in the plan of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19 tells us that very thing. Listen to what the Bible says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful picture. But he was also confident in the person of God. I mean, he had a relationship with God that was so astonishing that when he was put to the test, he exercised such tremendous faith. My friend, Abraham was determined in his heart that I can trust God no matter what. In other words, I believe Abraham was saying, if I can trust him with my heart, why can I not trust him with my son? Same goes for you. If I can trust God with my heart, why can I not trust him with my possessions? I heard about a a man one time that was converted radically by the Lord Jesus Christ. And God had blessed him in a remarkable way being successful in life. He owned this tremendous business. But that night that he gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, he come to an understanding of giving everything that he had to the Lord, even his business. Just a couple of days later, in the middle of the night, he receives a call. Come hurriedly to your place of business. He goes there and he begins to realize that his business was completely, completely destroyed by fire. He was rather calm, cool, and collect. One of his friends came up to him and said, how can you be so calm? He said, oh, listen. When I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, I gave him everything I had, even my business. And if God so chooses to burn this place down, it's all right with me. Oh, what a way to be able to have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see that. 
as a father willing to sacrifice his son. Think about what God did that he was willing to give his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Glory to God that God was willing to give me everything through his son that I might have everything through his son as well. But I want you to see something else that is so beautiful here. A son that was willing to submit to his father. The word lad in verse 5 is an interesting word. Sometimes we get the picture when we read this story that uh, Isaac was probably a, a little boy. But no, he was about 30 years of age. He was probably about the same age that the Lord Jesus Christ was. So that tells me that as they were walking up to that mountain and there he looks over there in his father's hand and he has a knife. He sees the fire. He sees the wood. And he knows that someone is going to be sacrificed and it's possibly that it was going to be him. Why? Isaac was old enough and strong enough to out-manhandle Abraham if he wanted to. He could outrun him. He could overpower him. But no, he reminds me of the Lord Jesus Christ. That who could have called 10,000 angels to rescue him from the terrible, terrible beating and the terrible suffering there upon the cross. But just like Isaac, I believe there was a prayer that was prayed in his heart, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. All the submissiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the submissiveness that I see there in the life of Isaac. Look with me in verse 11 just for a moment. The Bible says, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he says, Don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked and noticed this. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Did that remind you of anything? And so Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. I can almost imagine Abraham when the angel said, Abraham! And I think Abraham was over here waving his head, here I am! He was sending up flares. He was doing everything to try to get God's attention. Surely you don't want me to go through this. And then God showed him a ram. I find it interesting the place that they went to. It was a place called Moriah. 
thousands of years later. There at that same place called Moriah was the very identical place that Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. The very identical place. And then I look over there. Up until this time, Isaac had been symbolic and an illustration of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it stops there. See, Isaac couldn't go on and be offered as a sacrifice because no man can atone the sins of another man. Only a lamb, a spotless lamb, a lamb that's without blemish. And they look, and Abraham sees this ram there caught in the thicket, the briars. And there his horns was there caught in that thicket. In other words, he was wearing a crown of thorns. This lamb becomes the symbolic picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he became the substitute for Isaac himself. You and I today, my friend, when I look at the cross... I realize, just like Isaac, had there not been a ram, Isaac would have had to done the suffering. Isaac would have had to experience all the pain of that sacrifice. You today do that, does not accept Christ as your Savior. You accept what He experienced. His suffering, His shame, His embarrassment, the pain. But all praise be to God. When John the Baptist looked up and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Oh, that one who came. He came to become my substitute. To become your substitute. And if I don't allow him to be my substitute, I have to accept the penalty of that death. Glory to God. That God so loved me that he loved you. That he gave his only son. Only begotten son. The very best he had that we might have everlasting life. Oh, praise be to God. So you see the substitute of that man's sufferings or sinfulness. The Bible says that God will provide a lamb. And there in verse 14, the only time this is ever referred to God as Jehovah Jireh, as God the provider. He provided for you and me. But oh, go one step further. And I find something so interesting, and that's the satisfaction of the holiness of God. Did you notice there in verse 18, the Bible says God will provide Himself the Lamb. Himself. It didn't say that God will just provide a Lamb. 
but He would provide Himself the Lamb. See, the Lamb was not only provided by God, but it was also provided for God. I would ask someone today, why did Jesus die on the cross and be buried in a grave and rose again? Oh, He died for sinners. Well, you're absolutely right. But that's just part of it. He did not just die for sinners, but my friend, He died because of the holiness of God. There He realized that God being holy, He had a character to keep. And in order to justify you and I from sin, there had to be one that was without sin. And there I began to see that He justifies you because He was satisfied with the sacrifice. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The righteousness of God. Now, when I think about the righteousness of God, that just blows my mind. When I began to think, I become the righteousness of God. That when Christ saved me, He justified me, and that He comes into my life, and that I become righteous before a holy, wonderful God. Simply because of that sacrifice. The sacrifice that was given to you and to me. Oh, my friend. There's a truth that is found all the way through the book of the Bible. God is not only just... But my friend, He also is a justifying God. He might justify us without compromising His justice. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Romans chapter 3 verse 24 and following. Listen to this. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a perpetuation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate, listen to this, to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Glory to God. My friend, if you ever get that concept, you ever understand that truth, that'll make a Baptist stand up and shout. Glory to God. Isaac would have had to take everything the ram had taken had there not been a substitute. (laughs) Can you imagine that scene? When Abraham looks over there and Isaac looks over there and they see that ram. 
I believe they were jumping up. I believe they were hollering. I believe they were clapping. I believe they were praising God. Glory! What a substitute. What a substitute. Oh, it grieves my heart to know that Jesus had to go through all that he did. But oh, it blesses my heart to know that he did because of me. I heard about this guy. He was an interesting guy. He uh, would travel from place to place and he would look for unusual things within the city. A number of years ago, he went to this particular city and he uh, happened to observe of this tall building that about, oh, I don't know, 20 feet high, there was a replica in cement of a sheep, a picture of a sheep. And so he began to inquire what happened. And what happened was when they were building that particular building, that one of the masonry men fell from the scaffold. And there he came tumbling down some 20-some feet. But on that particular day, in that particular time, a shepherd was herding his sheep along the street to be butchered. And when he fell, he fell on top of one of the sheep. And it cushioned the fall. And so all the workers came hurriedly rushing down to see if this guy was alive or what. And lo and behold, other than a bunch of cuts and scrapes and, and those kinds of things, not a bone was broken. All because of a lamb was sacrificed of his fall. And so the builder was so impressed by that that he so chose to build a replica, a cement replica on the side of the building, a picture of a sheep. When I read that story, I thought, my, my, my. When I think about the fall of man, we fail stories beyond stories high from the fall of the grace of God. But down below was a beautiful, beautiful lamb that cushioned the fall and gave us life eternal. Amen. I wonder today, do you know that lamb? The lamb of God. Do you know the one that was sacrificed on your behalf? If you don't, you can. Jesus said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus says that if I believe in my heart that God had raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. 
Jesus said, Whosoever shall call upon the Lord may have eternal life. You know whosoever is? That's you. That's me. And my friend, what a blessing when you come to that understanding to know that you, because of sin, have fallen and come short of the glory of God. But down below is a lamb to cushion the fall. Would you stand with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, what a joy and what a delight to be able to reflect upon your love here today. Lord Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God might take the Scriptures and take the preaching and move it among us to prick our hearts and to convict us and to convert us to the the Lord that we give to Him all of our heart our mind and soul. In Jesus we pray. Amen.